Hey gang, welcome to Dateline Louisiana, a provocative look at the deepest of the deep southern states. Thoughts that are informative, candid, humorous, and sometimes controversial about life in one of the most interesting and rabble-rousing states in the nation. Here are your hosts, Anna Gray and Jim Brown. Hey, glad that all of you listening is to us today on our podcast. It's DatelineLouisiana.com. Sure glad you tuned in and uh, look at our website, if you will, to see a number of our shows. Ronna Gray is here with me. Ronna, did you have a good week? I have a good week every week, Jim. Oh, well, good. I hardly ever have a bad Chris, week. Chris, how about you? Producer Chris, you have a good week? I'm really busy and stressed out at the moment, but I'm looking forward to the weekend. What are you stressed out about? Uh, I work uh, a couple jobs, and I'm getting a Ph.D., so I'm going to class right. <laughs> I'd like oh, to and be... planning a wedding. Ronna, wouldn't you like to be Chris's age and, and That's be complaining? Right. Oh, That's I'm stressed right. out. Oh, I'm stressed out. What? My good week took me to Mississippi to see the one and only debate in the Mississippi governor's race between the incumbent Republican governor and the challenger, Brandon Presley, who, as we say in Mississippi, is Elvis's cousin on their daddy's side. <laughs> and then, does that by, guy have a chance or not? Well, we'll know by the time this airs. We'll know if he had a chance or not. But um, by total uh, accident, I'll say, a lady sitting next to me at the debate watch party invited me to a um, after party. Said, "Well, come meet the candidate. We're going to a party afterwards that he's coming by. Come meet the candidate." I'm like, you sure it's okay? And she goes, yes, yes, come come on, come on. It's just right down the street at a restaurant. So a friend of mine and I go. We get there. Well, you won't believe who hosted the party. Who's that? John Grisham. Oh, did he? <laughs> so yeah, it was well worth me going to a debate party because <laughs> suddenly the, the election became uh, secondary. John Grisham has sold 400 million books and— uh, uh, got a brand new book that just come out, which is a rehash of the firm. It, it's a, it's that's the theme sequel of it. Sequel or something yeah, to sequel it, to right? The firm, and uh, he's figured it out, Jim. He's figured out how to do it. He writes a, at least a book a year. Well, he was told to do that by the uh, uh, the same publishing house that James Patterson and several other authors carry. They say, look. Uh, whether you want to or not, you get a book out once a year, and people just expect it. You build up your leadership, and you should do so. And, and of course, Grissom's been fabulously successful. He's got three different sc- books that are in movie production right now. Well, and he's as nice as can be. I mean, it was obviously the first time I'd ever met him. He couldn't have been nicer, just hanging out with us, talking about politics in Mississippi. He and his wife come back every four years for sure, but more often than that— to try to help Democrats in Mississippi get elected and raise money. And he, you know, endows a journalism program at Ole Miss and uh, does lots of really good things. So if you're going to make $40, $50 million a year or more off your books, it's nice to see you do good things with That's your right. money. That's so. right. But I will tell you, you listeners want to know about how this works for these authors. And, of course, I have a publishing company. I published uh, several books by Rana right here. And uh, Grissom, I've read where he'll sell maybe a $30 book for his new novel. He makes about $1.50 off each book. Well, that's ridiculous. How could he do that? Well, you know, half of the $30 goes to the bookstore. That's their profit. Then his publisher usually gets 15% of what's left. And then on top of that, you've got the actual printing, the production costs, 
printing it, designing the cover, doing all the editing. That all has to be paid for. Uh, and so uh, you put a pencil to all that, and, and so much that profit is cut away. So uh, that's why authors like this want to be productive with so many books, number one. And that's why they sure hope for a movie deal, because it takes them to a different level. But right. you don't make a ton of money. I mean, now you have, Rana. You've got a, no. a, your books in production. <laughs> You've been highly successful in Louisiana. But uh, outside of a few examples like that, oh, uh, no. you don't I, write I'm books. A, I'm a long way from being a John Grisham. First of all, the quantity that he writes, and I said that to him. I was like, well, I could, ne- I could start today and never catch up with you. Um, but, yeah, we'll talk about it some other time. But I am excited to have my book in production for a series, and I was able to talk a little bit to him about that. And you're right, he's making movies like crazy and all, but... Uh, Chris had a good week. I had a good week, but I think you got some things you need to get off your, well, your, your plate you know, here. I have good <laughs> weeks and, and, and weeks where I just uh, get a little burr under my saddle, if you will. Uh, one is the, you know, the, uh, and what really hit home when I was over in Israel, I talked about that on a recent show. I went to Jerusalem, rather to Jericho. Remember we, uh, Joshua fit the battle of Jericho and the walls came tumbling down. Jericho was the filthiest city I've ever seen. Trash piled up everywhere. They never touched it. But I'll tell you, a close second is my home state of Louisiana. I mean, you walk around Baton Rouge, you go around the highways. There's been some studies shown where there's literally millions of people, pieces of paper on the roads, cans galore. We just don't care. And uh, uh, the, the governor has said, well, we're going to have an education commission, a little group he's going to appoint, we're going to start trying to educate people better. Let me tell you, Governor, the way you educate people to start putting some people in jail, you know, if someone dumps a, a lot of trash on the road, first offense, fine them $500. Second offense, they go to jail for 30 days. I don't care what the circumstances is. Rana, I'm, I'm going to work out. I work out every morning, early in the morning, and I was driving down to my workout and I saw this couple, a man and a woman in a car in front of me at the, at the traffic light. The gal opens up the door and lays three cans on the, in the street. Oh, straight, no. Three cans and some paper in the street. I honked my horn. I would just live it. And I started to go up there and shake my finger. But, you know, we've also got the worst crime situation. Right. I've heard the, the guy pull out a gun and shoot me. Exactly. That was what I was worried about. That's why I didn't do it. But I got the license number down. I sent it to the state police. I don't know what they're going to do about it. But we had this trash everywhere. If you drive down the highways, and look, I, uh, you make some examples of what you do. You could put up cameras if we're here in Baton Rouge on the exit where the I-10, I-12 splits. It's just filthy full of paper. Put up some cameras there. Catch some people throwing it out of their car, get their license tag, and make a big deal about it. Put their picture on the 6 o'clock news. That's fine. I'm all for that. I'm all for that. Uh, Because we're just a filthy—Mississippi's not that dirty. Mississippi's not too bad. And I'm up in the—I've got a house in the poorest county in North Carolina. Avery County is the poorest. And you go there, Ron, and you play— play heck finding any paper on, on the side of the road. People just got the I mindset. wonder what makes people not care. To your point about seeing somebody put the cans out, just yesterday I came out of a meeting at our local arts council. Now, they've had an artist come in 
and paint the sidewalk, the width of their building. Very pretty, colorful, music notes, just like you want an arts council building to look. You know, they've got a beautiful building that downtown they renovated. Now the sidewalk's really pretty. You just feel good walking there. The man that was in the meeting with me got out the door just ahead of me. By the time I came out the door, he's down on the on the floor, on the ground. And I, I looked to see what it is. There's all these McDonald's food bags that someone just dumped there, not on just any old broken sidewalk, but right here on this artwork, just dumped all this food bags. And he's down on his knees picking it up. And I said, I, I kind of was startled when I saw him. And I said, "What what's going on? He said, can you believe someone walked by here and threw this food bag down on this? You're right. What goes through people's heads? What went through the people's heads that you saw when they just said, I'm just going to put these cans out here? It's out in the street. And, so, uh, and I went to my grandson's soccer game uh, in a local park here in Baton Rouge where we live, and uh, they had some volunteers that, bless their souls, had bags. They were walking around trying to pick up the trash. And I complimented them. That's wonderful. More power to them. But they're not going to make a dent. It's all going to be back there now. Week after next, it's all going to be back again. So we, we've had some almost vigilante litter getters form because they're so disgusted that government's not doing anything, and they're just regular citizens. And they get out there. I saw them out this weekend. Just like you said, they're just out there in their t-shirts picking up litter, but it, you know, they're also having to pick up needles and, you know, all this, um, drug paraphernalia they're having to pick up. I mean, it's, I can't believe we're finding volunteers willing to do that. More power to them, bless their soul. But again, that's sticking your finger in the dike right. because it's right back. Right. You just, uh, you can uh, teach kids in school about, you know, uh, and, uh, Texas theme, don't mess with Texas, kind of has a little bit more punch to it. But you've got to make convictions. You've got to put people, and you you laugh, and they, they should be on the paper. You should call the news. Look, we're going to go make a bust on a bunch of trap d dumpers here. Come on with me <laughs> and, and, and make a big deal about it. Well, uh, you know, uh, the, the national story is about the Karens, you know, all the Karens. Let me speak to the manager and, you know, the, the Karen in Central Park that's all the— black man who was bird watching and she called him in and all this. I'm for gathering up all the Karens and giving them something really worthwhile to do. They need a PR boost. Let, let them, let them, they need a, they need a PR boost and you can let them make citizens arrest for litter, for a litter only. You can't be bringing your racial bias into it, but for litter, people dropping litter, you get to go write a ticket and it's valid. And so, because we don't have any police to enforce it, no, no, nor do the police want to enforce it. Even if they aren't doing anything else, that's not what they want to do. Well, I'm a big broken windows theorist. Yes. I think that, that, you know, you don't just disregard some minor crime because one builds on each other. And so uh, uh, you take care of the broken window, you take care of the trash, you see the, the street lights are put back in as a way of showing that we mean business, we're looking out for this, don't mess with us, don't mess up our scenario here. And uh, it's just appalling, the trash. You just said in Baton Rouge, in New Orleans, the filth, the trash. It is so disappointing to, uh, to have a... Uh, I'll tell you one story. This goes back a couple of years, Rana. But uh, 
there was a, a large uh, economic development track up in uh, uh, Richland Parish, up above where I used to live, right there on Highway I-20. And so uh, there was an effort to try to get some industry to come in up there. And there was a, uh, a Japanese country, company that was looking at putting battery power plant, I believe, in some location, hiring a number of people. And they were looking at that site. And so they landed in Shreveport, Louisiana, and drove across I-20 to get to the site. They ended up not choosing it. And I happened to come across the PR guy that kind of handled the meeting and everything like that. I said, did you get any feedback? He says, yeah, I did. He says, what did they say? He says, when they were driving from Shreveport, I picked him up. He says, this sure is a trashy state, isn't it? Such mm. a trashy state. That was the Japanese response. So, you know, we, we, we suffer because of it. And uh, let me keep going to my rants. The other what rant else I'm, are you mad about? I'm mad about uh, these uh, handicap spots that, uh, that uh, I go by a local health club. There's about four handicap spots. And these athletes, are, these guys are coming to work out, young guys and gals trying to come and work out, park right in the handicap spots. Oh. Just park right in the handicap spots. And uh, if I had my druthers, you'd go tow them off, get a tow truck and tow them off to the pound and make them spend an arm and a leg for getting their car back out. You know, you got poor people that, that mean well and that uh, are trying to make the best of their situation, but, and there's a justification for a handicap spot. Oh, yeah. If anybody's but, ever had a family member that legitimately needed one, then you're right. You're furious whenever you see that, people abusing them. I see the violations all over the place, and I'll see people come out to the car again, and I'll say something. Some of the women I talk to say, oh, yeah, you really look handicapped to me. And they'll come up with some lame excuse. <laughs> well, you know, I've been feeling. I said, bunk. I said, you need the exercise. Maybe. Wait, Jim, they have a handicap license or they're oh, just parking? Oh, there? no, they just oh. park. They just park. They just declared and, themselves. And that's a whole other problem right. with, with these folks. Maybe they get it from their uncle or something right. like that. Uh, they uh, they take the handicapped spot or, or somebody in the family dies and they just keep it. Handicapped and, parking pass fraud. <laughs> and what I see, say they'll be up in front of a supermarket or something, there will be an empty spot right next door to them. They could They could move over 10 feet. And, but, no, they park in the handicap spot. They park right in the handicap I'm spot. I'm telling you, another job for the Karens. They could go out and write tickets for these. Well, I'm for that because unless we get tough. But, well, now, that's a, that's on private property if you're going to a health club that's got its own parking. So you could take it up with the—you could ask to speak to the manager there well, uh, and uh, tell them, I'm going to make a big stink and— Run off some of your customers if you don't start enforcing this. I agree. I think we should. I think. I'm going to have to send y'all a picture. It, on campus, parking's gotten so bad, sometimes they just park in the middle of the street. They block traffic in the parking lot. They just park right there. Uh, probably about four or five cars in the lot I park in are parked on the street. No kidding. Yeah. Mostly young, able-bodied, too, there. Well, it's not a handicapped spot. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, mostly. I mean, they're not doing it because they need to be close to the door. No, no, they're doing it because they are late for class or something. Right, yeah, right. Yeah. And the cops let them get away with it. The, the campus police let them get away with it. I'd go seize the car and tow it off is what I'd do without you know, batting an you're, eye. You know, this is a topic for another day, but you're, you're hitting on something that's really interesting. We kind of all grew up 
being told you follow certain rules and norms and all. But we've broken from that across the board as a country. Uh, and we have our previous president to thank for that, where you kind of ridicule the rules and the norms and people kind of thumb their nose at them now across the board, everything. We don't, we don't follow any rules anymore. Well, I don't know. I would think we'd have a, a certain degree. I'm not defending tr Donald Trump, but uh, I think if he were not president, you'd still have the, the entitlements of younger people, the me too, you know, what's in, what's in it for me. And you've got that attitude that prevails so darn much. And, and uh, 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 look at the, at the cut down of free speech on college campuses. Look what's happening in the debate over Palestine and, and Israel on college campuses. And, and uh, we see it's my way or the highway. I want to do it my way. Uh, I'm entitled. We've just got so much in that, as you say, compared to what we used to have where yeah. uh, there, were, there was not the entitlement. You played by the rules. Uh, you uh, grew up as an adult, and then you made your choices. But it's just a different world out there. So, all right, one more. Let's go. I'm what just getting on, I'm on a oh roll. Gosh, I am are... <laughs> rolled. Uh, I'm uh, on a roll right now. What were you doing to these poor bears? I don't want to get rid of the bears. Look, I grew up. Uh, and I've started off my law practice in northeast Louisiana, uh, right across from Natchez, Mississippi. And every now and then I'd see a little bear cub running over in the swampland. And I'd stop, I'd get out my binoculars, and I'd look. And it was such a joy just to see. Uh, I, once I saw two bear cubs playing around out there. Well, there's not been any threat. It's not like we've got grizzly bears attacking people, you know, in their homes or on the side of the road. We've got a uh, hundred or so bears that are growing up and, and their numbers are spreading, but they're in swamp areas where you barely ever see them. I talk to people up there all the time that never even, have ever even seen a bear. And I think it's wonderful that we have that kind of habitat. And now we're gonna have a hunting season, give out permits to go kill bears. And so uh, we got plenty of other stuff to hunt down here. We got and, ducks. And for our listeners who don't, you know, there's bears and there's bears, there's grizzlies. And all. These are black bears that were once on the endangered list. And are barely coming back <laughs> Barely, now. no pun intended. <laughs> barely making it back. And we've never, ever in history had a hunting season for black bears. And they're not that big. These no, black bear are they're the inspiration for the teddy bear. That was the black bear that was the inspiration for the teddy bear. And now we're going to let people go shoot up the woods and murder them. A good-sized dog is what it would be. Wasn't so, enough they had to kill Bambi's mother. Now they got to go after that's right. the black bear. That's right. We're, we're, we're knocking off uh, exactly right. We're, ki <laughs> we're killing Bambi and we're killing off so many other animals. And, and, when, and you know, I'm all for the hunting season. I've hunted a lot. Uh, I don't hunt anymore, and I don't, uh, you know, uh, shooting a deer is in Louisiana is like shooting a cow. <clears throat> you know, you don't really have a sport into it. If you're deer elk hunting out in Colorado and you, for two or three days, you are tracking the animal right. and going up and down mountains and, and camping out at night, and that's quite an experience. But to go stand out in the field and take a rifle and shoot a, a deer, right. that, that's, uh, there's no I'm with you on that, that, Jim. Well, we do have a new governor. We have a new administration. He'll probably be appointing a lot of new department heads and all. And this, this 
horrific decision to allow the hunting of black bears doesn't take effect until December of 2024. So we have time to rise up and everybody write the letters and and maybe put a stop to this. Well, if you and and that's right, you should. I've done that. I've written a letter to the, the Wildlife and Fisheries, just Wildlife and Fisheries, uh, Louisiana State Capitol, Baton Rouge. It'll get to them. Or tell your legislator, we don't need to have a black bear season, kill off these little bears. And so uh, we need to be more proactive. We got a new governor in time to take some, make some changes that make sense. The good topics I've talked about today. And Rhonda, you join me in talking about litter. Uh, not violating the handicap license plate and looking out for our animals here in the state. That's just going to give us a whole better quality of life is what I think. And I'm I for hope... it. I'm for it. Okay. So, uh, Producer Chris, we're, been a good week. We're uh, as mad as hell and we're not going to take it anymore. That's right. Very <laughs> much so. Very much so. So glad you all joined us today. Our website is datelinelouisiana.com. And if you want to email us, we'd love to hear from you on a show topic or something you've heard. It's Huey, H-U-E-Y, at DatelineLouisiana.com. Rana, my co-host, written some marvelous books at Rana at RanaGray.com, R-I-N-N-A-H, RanaGray.com. And I'm JB at JimBrownLA.com. So hope you'll uh, check us out. I'm glad you're listening. Hope you folks have a good week. We'll talk to you soon. Take care from Dateline, Louisiana. Thanks for listening to Dateline Louisiana with Jim Brown and Ronna Gray. To subscribe to this podcast or contact Jim or Ronna, visit datelinelouisiana.com. We hope you'll join us again next week for more news and reflections from the Bayou State.